Hey guys, welcome to episode 52 of Bo Knows Stuff, featuring the Honey Badger Project, Frank Benedetto, a powerful force in the fitness, health, physical therapy space, someone I've been following for a long time and was really great to get to chat with him, catch up on a couple of projects he has going on. I hope you guys really enjoy the podcast and uh, get 1% better from it. If you have any interest in working with me on improving your health, you're ready to get in the best shape of your life, uh, we are doing some fun promo stuff right now. And if you set up a call with me on my Calendly, uh, calendly.com slash fitcare, uh, we can get you hooked up with a few fun things going on right now. And we're going to focus on those five pillars of health. That is movement, nutrition, recovery, mindset, and connection. Addressing all five pillars is going to get you looking, feeling, performing better than ever. Saving for your physical retirement plan. That's what I'm working on here. So if you're ready for that, hit me up. Uh, Should be some contact info wherever you're listening to this. And love to hear your guys' feedback on the episode. Hope you enjoy it. Frank Benedetto. And... All right. Hey, you guys, we are live with Frank Benedetto. I'm not going to mispronounce his name because I had a high school football coach. His name is D. Benedetto. And back in high school when the internet was first coming out, we did Google his name. And I believe Benedetto means blessed in Italian. And D. Benedetto would be the opposite of blessed. <laughs> so he was a man who threw chairs and hit broke clipboards over the quarterbacks, a.k.a. <laughs> me, uh, helmets. Any who's it, uh, we're going we're gonna to not get copyrighted with that song. And here we are, Frank. You just got back from vacation, so uh, thank you for kind of. Hopefully, you don't have too much jet lag going on. Yeah, no, man. Stay, same uh, time zone, so no jet lag at all. I always keep my same routines up, so I was up at five fifty-five every day. I'm ready to go. Awesome. So yeah, I've been a fan of yours for a while. Um, I've been jumping around some of the cash base concierge. I've seen your your ads and a lot of your stuff on Instagram for sure. Um, so I, I'm glad we we're able to connect here. So uh, for those listening. You have, I just wanted to shout out your Counter-Strike project for MMA, UFC. Um, Tell us a little bit about that quick. Sure. So it's an online platform for fighters. So we have MMA fighters, jiu-jitsu, kickboxers, wrestlers. And I launched this a year before COVID. So I went fully digital with my clinical career uh, before the world went digital. Mm -hmm. And uh, the goal is to provide fighters with really science-based training and rehab and, and fight programming worldwide. Nice. Yeah, yeah and, and that's continuing to grow, and, and that's one just one of your many things you have going on right now, it seems like, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so we're in, I think, 14 different countries. We've got a team of – we have uh, two strength coaches underneath me now, and uh, just continuing to grow. The goal is to change change the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's and that's that's going to be the theme for today, a lot of change that, that needs to happen, and how can we each and, and those listening, and, and uh, whether you're a consumer of healthcare – or in the system, uh, how can we make that change? So uh, the other component is the Honey Badger Project, right? Yes. That's the other big, big kind of, uh, are those the two main paths? Am I missing any paths? Those are the two main. I'm also a strategic advisor to the Level Up Initiative, yes. which is more of an education platform mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. healthcare providers to um, really complete their clinical skill sets with their interpersonal skills. And even that might be downplaying a bit too much, but we're really trying to get clinicians to understand how they use their words and how they carry themselves really does contribute to clinical outcomes. Right, right. I want to make sure I get my Corona shirt in, in here. <laughs> Shout out the Corona. All right. Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, no, and and I'll I'll just summarize from your uh your some of your stuff out there. Mission driven, right? I love I love that concept. And then uh, reimagining, repackaging your skill set as a clinician, and then the healthcare 2.0 concept. So maybe we can jump ahead and and kind of define that healthcare 2.0 uh for us. Uh, is it is it more? Oh, I'll, I'll ask this. Is it more about patient centered care, client centered care? Uh, I, I know you're you're one to call out some of the these concepts, and again, I appreciate that you're 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 one of the few out there calling out like <laughs> some of that stuff. So yeah, how, how do you define that healthcare 2.0? So I think it's important to get context of where I'm coming from, and I'm going to answer more specifically. But uh, my why is rooted in two two life experiences. One, um, I had a labrum surgery when I was 20 years old. I had already committed to becoming PT, and I was between undergrad and PT school. And everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I went to a PT clinic where I was doing a yellow band. Oh, and just, you know, it's not working. You're not responding. I go and have the surgery. The surgery over tightens my shoulder. I never get full range back. I have like no internal rotation. And it took away a lot of what I loved. It took away a lot. And I started to think about my body as being broken. And uh, it was my introduction to painkillers too, which led me down a bad path for a period of my time. And that's when I started to realize that this field of quote physical therapy, which I think is an outdated name that we need to actually drop and rebrand, it is needs some work. And I I had fallen in love with it when I was 16 and broke my leg. So this profession I had fallen in love with when I was a kid and dedicated my career to already, I, I just wanted to see it evolve and change. And then uh, at 26 years old, double board certified doctor of physical therapy, board certified in sport, board certified in sports, board certified in orthopedics. Uh, career is going great, really loving it. My dad dies in front of me from a heart attack, unexpected, 64 years old. And it could have been prevented. And that's when I realized it's not just physical therapy, it's the entire healthcare system. And uh, I wanted to do something about it. I didn't know how at first. You know, I'm just a physical therapist. How could I do this? And I did it first by reimagining my own skill sets and my own career to be escaped from the health insurance ecosystem, escaped from nocebo narratives, escaped from dependency on modalities and things like that. And, uh, and I continue to do that through Counter-Strike. But then I also now with the launching of the Honey Badger Project about a year and a half ago, we help healthcare professionals in all kinds. We've had uh, sleep specialists, chiropractors, nutrition coaches, high-level strength coaches, physical therapists come in and reimagine, repackage their skill set to reverse engineer solutions that consumers actually need. So all of that circling back to the original question, what is healthcare 2.0? I believe there's a world where consumers have a multitude of options that have been specifically reverse engineered for specific problems or identities. So meaning a triathlete or a fighter or a yoga instructor or something, that there are handcrafted solutions to specific problems and that the inventors of those, those solutions and the creators of those services get paid based on the outcome that they promise, the deliverable that that's, that population needs, not just based off of time or an insurance code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The insurance model, we don't, I feel like I've spoken about it on, on the show a bunch of times of the problems with it for sure. And Again, those listening, if you're not familiar, go back. I got a bunch of episodes where I'll just complain about insurance for, for a while. Um, and, and it's not about complaining, but it is about the solution. What can we actually do? Again, the model I've shifted to personally, 
we, we talked about it a little bit before uh, coming on this call is, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, and it's the cash base is the term. And again, I think it is a not, not a great term. Um, and, and the rebrand, again, I've uh, the initial rebrand, the simple rebrand uh, that I've seen in my career, again, graduating back in 2008 with my doctorate in physical therapy. Um, and, and I think around 2010, about two years into my career was I was like, I need to do something a little different and, and switching more to physio at least, which is what the rest of the world calls it. But here in America, right, we, we physical therapy is associated with hot pack, stim, uh, do you take my insurance, that whole kind of blech, uh, <laughs> that, that I think you and I are, are way past, hopefully. But um, yeah, moving past that. So that healthcare 2.0 concept. And I've also been on, on the digital side myself for, for a while and also realizing, yeah, we need to have these complete solutions that if we don't have high contact points, uh, which is allow the digital concept allows us to do. So I use True Coach. Um, I don't. I'm not sure which platforms you use or you're familiar with, but uh, yeah, that that concept versus the coming in twice a week to see me, like you mentioned, the yellow you know rubber bands that some folks might be familiar with, um, and and uh, moving away from that to yeah these high high touch points, charging a little bit more. But again, looking at the concept of again, pay me five thousand dollars now. And that's going to save you thousands of dollars and time lost and getting back to what, what you're doing, uh, what you want to do, whether it's triathlon or, or yoga teaching um, and, and really getting to the heart and the root cause. And again, I've seen these things in the cash based PT space, um, which, again, I've seen you be critical of. So I don't know if, if, if you want to talk about a little bit of, of you know, the concierge model uh, that, again, I, I've seen you be critical of. I wanted to yeah. maybe expand on that uh, if you can. Yeah, so my belief is that we need innovation. And there's a couple of key components to innovation. And one of them is using new or varied delivery mechanisms. So concierge PT is just home care. And home care is just sessions. And if all we do is transfer sessions from a clinic to sessions at a house to sessions at a gym, we're not really innovating. And I don't believe that in most cases, that that's actually what the client needs, at least forever. So I believe that each population probably needs something a little bit different. And there are some populations that do need some in-person care. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. But very rarely, though, is it in-person care forever or for long periods of time or for frequent periods of time. So imagine if you chose your given niche and you feel as though they need five to six sessions in person over the course of two or three weeks. And then from that moment forward, the rest is digital. Or maybe another clinician imagines that their people need an evaluation and then everything digital. And yet another clinician says once a week for six months and everything in between those weekly sessions is digital. I love all of those because they are getting decided by reverse engineering what that specific person and their problem needs, not by committing to a delivery mechanism first and then trying to squeeze everybody through that. So concierge is really getting sold as like the, the key to your burnout. And there is no way to accelerate your burnout faster than going from a clinic where you're likely seeing four or six people an hour all day taking notes home than to now spending time in your car in somebody's living room. An endless one-on-one -on -one will burn you out. And it's going to make you feel guilty because you thought that that was actually the cure for your burnout so when you burn out again after having endless amounts of one-on-one -on -one time, you have no time left or energy for your wife, your husband, your kids, your friends, your family, your sports, your hobbies. You feel even worse because you're like, I thought this was the Mecca. So my narrative around that is to say that I'm a fan of different parts of that. I do believe 
you can reverse engineer a product or a service that you go to somebody's house and you start the care that way. I just challenged that you get paid session by session going there time and time again. I don't really believe that's innovation. Gotcha. So, so I guess tell, try to connect me to how Honey Badger Project is pushing that innovation because that's, uh, again, I think I understand from some of your posts, but those who haven't seen all your posts, um, yeah, how do we push that innovation? How do we get, I, I, I think, again, it, or sorry, sorry, I'm going to take a step back. Is it that you're trying to most target those that are kind of ready to make that shift from traditional and they're looking for that next step and that you just think they're going about it wrong? Or is it more, hey, everyone who's in this broken system needs to get out of that, I think, or is it both kind of? It's it's definitely both to me because uh, the reality is, is that there's exponentially more people in the broken system than escaped and doing it wrong. But what's going to stop the world from the, the physical therapist from really going all in is when they escape into the wrong model and then burn out again. Mm -hmm. So it really does need to be a twofold because if, if your friend tried cancerous PT and then stopped after a year, cause they're already burnt out and then they go into medical sales. I had two phone calls last week with PTs thinking about getting into medical sales because they had tried their own business as a side hustle and they get stuck in what I call the side hustle trap where they never can make enough money to really quit. So now they're just working more. So they have a 40 hour job that they hate. And now they have a side job that they don't hate, but it doesn't provide for them. So now they're just working 60 hours a week, still taking notes home, no time, only energy left. Like I'm going to go sell, I don't know, imaging units or gels that get paid from insurance because anything's better than this. It, every one of those stories will dissuade another 100 or 10 or however many people in that person's network from trying it. Mm -hmm. So we, we are really working on both, helping as many clinicians unplug from the matrix <laughs> of, the, of the health insurance machine and get out and do it the right way in the non-duality of being able to live a good life and actually make a living doing it. Because right now, most healthcare providers have a false dichotomy that in order to win financially or, or freedom-wise, they have to compromise their ethics, and it's just not true. Yeah, 100% agree with, with everything you're saying there, for sure. So, yeah, so is, do you think this is something we can get down to? And I, 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 we are focusing a lot on the physical therapy profession, but... You mentioned other professions, healthcare professions. Um, in, in terms of the outcomes, I know that um, there's been some outcome databases, things like that, when it comes to treating, let's say, let's use low back pain as an example. Is uh, Do you think that showing this higher touch point type of model or whatever the innovation is, I guess, the, I guess sorry, I'm, I'm formulating the question as I'm thinking or talking is, is there a way that I think we can combine research, outcome-based, research, right? That's kind of what we should be driven by that we, the profession and, and all the medical uh, folks speak about, even the insurance companies are saying, well, there's no research to support this or that. So is there a way that we can formulate research or look at the research that says, hey, this like higher touch point model might be the, you know, you look at professional athletes and they're getting, you know, ma massage every day or whatever it is, a, a strength and conditioning coach or nutrition coach, the whole concept. Uh, it comes this much bigger con uh, prop problem, right? And and sorry if this question's a little convoluted, but uh, in in speaking with you know I'm in some journal clubs and we talk about research and we all kind of go in the same circles of oh well more research is needed and like how do we actually apply this clinically? So in terms of changing this healthcare 2.0, changing the this again uh, massive Titanic sized ship that's about to hit an iceberg at some point, 
Um, how, how is there a way to combine the research or, or again, like level up initiative I've seen uh, that you work with, you mentioned is, is doing a great thing, I think in, in moving things in the right direction to some extent yeah. from what I've seen. Uh, but is there more or, or is it, should we just check out their, their stuff and, and to answer that question, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, I, I think really, if I understand the question, it's like how, how to think about all of this stuff as it relates to research, the clinician's job is to study the research. The entrepreneurial side of that, there is no research that's going to drive a business decision. But we can build businesses around research that's proven. So for example, you're not going to be able to take a business model and apply research principles to evaluate whether it's working or not. But you can take a business model and build it around the clinical research that you believe in and you identify with. And that's really what I empower people to do. I do not have a cookie cutter program business. That's the other part that I really bothers me is these things where clinicians come and they buy a business in a box, almost like a franchise. So you go to a gym and you set up shop, you pay charge 250 bucks for an hour. Cool. Like you've escaped the healthcare system. It's better than not being there, but I don't believe it's innovation. I don't believe it's going to free you. So here, here's what I think is innovation. There's, there's five components. It's improved effectiveness and outcomes for the client. And I always have to find a different word to use instead of outcomes because outcome measures has become convoluted and the insurance companies are just tricking us to think that that's what this is. Outcome measures for an insurance company is like, oh, once you have 90 degrees, you're good. So this is all the elbow flexion I need. You're good, functional. No, no need to be able to do this. That's cool. So that's outcome measures. What I'm talking about is outcomes. If you have a tennis player and their goal is to serve 120 miles per hour and do that, I don't know, 100 times a day when they have to compete, that's the outcome that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So if you build a program that helps somebody get back to uh, mastering their serve or increasing power in their serve or recovering from injury and getting back to being able to serve, that's an outcome that I'm building a business around. We could choose to use research studies that support the, the, the things we do inside of our business, but the business itself is, is really more like art. It really is. Uh, so number one tip for uh, what is innovation, it's improves effectiveness and outcomes. Number two though, is getting those outcomes in a more time efficient manner mm-hmm. for you and the client. So this is where I challenge people on their delivery mechanisms. How could you take that research, deliver the, the, the philosophy, the principle behind that, and not just use hourly sessions and combine it with different types of things. And that's where it ties into the third, which is new and varied delivery mechanisms. So when you use varied delivery mechanisms, like part an online course, like you maybe do an in-person evaluation, give them access to a course and also program for them. That is a unicorn business. That is a unicorn model. And it's definitely going to be more time efficient for them and you. And if you built it around appropriate research, it's going to be more effective. Fourth one related, if you've made it time leveraged, that allows you then to make it less expensive for the consumer. So I don't believe in just selling, let's say the $5,000 package. I'm not opposed to it. If that's what you reverse engineered and decided your people need is the $5,000 package. Cool. Totally support it. A lot of times though, what my clinicians inside the Honey Badger Project come up with is like a $250, $300 a month membership that's got a combination of different elements. 
that is literally the exact same price monthly as going to an in-person in-network facility paying $40 a copay after a deductible. So that's demonetization. Demonetization is true innovation where you're delivering a better product in less time, more efficiently for less money. And then lastly, if you've hit all four of those, you're more profitable for the provider because you are now capable of handling a higher caseload in less time, which then allows you to earn some more money. So the recap there is improved effectiveness and outcomes, improved time efficiency for you and the, the consumer, new and varied delivery mechanisms, demonetized, less expensive for the consumer, and more profitable for you, the provider. Yeah, totally. And, and that's an A-plus answer for a convoluted question. So I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I, I think what I was, I was still going for, though, is, is yeah, I, I think in the in the DPT curriculum, again, clinician mind, and again, you have double board certification, so you know all the you know ins and outs of of having to take those tests. And this is what ACL reconstruction says, and this is the timeline, and and this is what the data is. So it is saying, and again, I, I I'm similar to you, where I think I I went down the all the continuing ed, all the certifications, and got like, okay, this is all great but <laughs> how do we make it more applicable and how do we change the game now that we have kind of, yeah. we see what the game is. So, and, and again, I do think a lot of folks miss, miss that boat. So hopefully that five part um, kind of answer is, is makes a lot of sense for folks. I'm going to go back and, and definitely uh, put that on replay for a few times. So I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of gold in there. Um, I think we are coming up on a little time. I know you have, I uh, want to be respectful of, of your schedule. So um, remind us where folks can find you. Yeah. So uh, I'm always active on Instagram. That's where I'm personally active. My team manages the rest of uh, social media. So if you want to talk to me, Frank underscore Benedetto, Frank underscore Benedetto. And um, if anybody here listening to this feels compelled to learn more, I, you know, I could literally talk about the five pillars of innovation for an hour. Um, I'll hook you up with a 90 minute training, free training that goes into detail on how to apply this to your clinical and business life. Just DM me, hashtag Bo. Hashtag Bo. This way I know you came from Bo specifically, um, and I'll send you over that link for 90-minute free training to help you go a little deeper. Awesome. Very cool. Appreciate that, Frank. And, uh, yeah, uh, any other last thoughts, Change, changing the game? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, the reason why we called the business the Honey Badger Project hmm. is because the, the Honey Badger is known as the world's most fearless animal. <laughs> and uh, we wanted something like, you know, we'll bring a little levity to the situation because it is yeah. a serious matter. But the reality, though, is that most healthcare professionals are overthinking perfectionists, mm -hmm. and the third-party payers have held innovation back for decades. Yeah. We are moving at a snail's pace in comparison to every single other industry, and it's going to take thousands, thousands of healthcare entrepreneurs. Actually, let me rephrase that: healthcare professionals mm. to become healthcare entrepreneurs in order to break the system. And it's going to be one by one. And we need you to step into the fear. And that is why we are honey badgers. Because to go into business, to go off on your own, to be fully in charge of your own destiny, to say no to the fake false sense of security that your job is, it takes stepping into the fear. And you need to do that every single day if you want to contribute to and help uh, move this healthcare revolution along. I love it. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Um, we're going to jump off. I appreciate it, Frank. And anyone else again? 
Hashtag Bo message Frank in on the Instagram there. Uh, get that 90 minute call. And other than that, we will talk soon. Hopefully we can do another one of these in like a couple months and, and yeah. see, see where the growth is. Again, it sounds like there's so much going on. Uh, I, I anticipate that uh, we'll have all sorts of fun stuff to talk about. And again, I'm trying to do a lot of parallels to some of this stuff on my end too. So really, really excited. Looking forward to it. We're going to jump off the broadcast. Here we go. Three, two, one. We are done.